AC Rotors, Jason here once again, featuring a new, another new episode of our podcast where we're talking about discipleship. And today, my guest on this podcast is one of Sea Road's very own, Dr. David Beatty. Dave, good to hear you, my friend. Thanks uh, for having me, Jason. This is great. I'm excited. I'm really cool now because I'm on a, on a, a podcast. So there you go. <laughs> there you, you can add it to your resume. Yeah, right? sounds good. Not only do you prescribe medicine to those who are ill, you are on a podcast that should be featured in some medical journal someplace. So thanks so much Fair. for making the time. Uh, you and I have had a, a chance to talk about discipleship because, you know, I think it's probably one of those core passions that we both share. Mm -hmm. um, but some of us and some of our community might not know a little bit about discipleship or might not know much about you. So why don't we start there, Dave? Sure. So tell us a little bit about who you are and where your passion for discipleship comes from. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so my name's David Beatty. I uh, grew up in Brockville, became a believer when I was about 17 through the Wesleyan Church in Brockville, <clears throat> and uh, went off to the University of Guelph to study veterinary medicine, and then met my wonderful wife, Catherine, there through an organization called U uh, sorry, Campus Crusade for Christ. That's what it was called before. So we were uh, involved with uh, Campus Crusade uh, for multiple years and did a lot of discipleship through that. And uh, anyways, got married, had kids, practiced veterinary medicine, joined an organization for a while called uh, Youth for Christ with my brother, Kevin. Also, again, involved in a little bit of discipleship there. And then decided to head off to Australia where I studied medicine and uh, human medicine. And so I've come back um, to practice in the Brockville region and came back to my home church here of Sea Road. So um, as far as the, the discipleship sort of passion, um, look, at when I became a believer, I was very fortunate to have a, our youth pastor at that time, Randy Hopkins, kind of take me under his wing and along with a couple other guys. And they, he personally discipled us um, for about a year and a half before I went off to university. And then after a little while, I got involved with Campus Crusade and had the couple of the campus leaders, uh, again, take me under their wing and start discipling me and teaching me what it means to disciple others. And uh, that's kind of where it grew. And ever since then, it's just been something that's been sort of the heartbeat of both Catherine and I and, and uh, wanting to help to develop a multiplying discipleship uh, yeah, in our church and around the area everywhere. So, yeah, so that's kind of a, a, a it in a, in a nutshell. I love that. I love that. I think that Campus Crusade is now calling themselves Power to Change. Oh, that's it. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, think, I think so. And you got it. Um, you're right. You know, they, they've, their ministry was developed on, on the model of multiplication through just mentoring and growing and discipling people. And I think actually culturally speaking in our world today, that's where mentoring was derived from was this movement. It's actually biblical, this movement right. of investing in the next generation. Now, as we do with all things, we sometimes can deviate from the original design and concept for various degrees, for various reasons, but at its core, discipleship is about 
growing and developing another person so that they can grow and develop another person to using sea road language, love and live like Jesus. That's what a disciple is essentially all about. 100%. Yep. And I love yeah, and that. I love that. Sorry, go ahead. That's okay. I was going to say yes. And if you go back to sort of our, um, not just the biblical roots, but our church's roots through Wesley. I mean, he was the probably the icon at that time of, of developing a multiplying discipleship um, pathway or, or plan. Um, and one of the biggest things that he looked at were all the different sort of groups that needed to be uh, developed to help someone become a, um, a multiplying disciple. So. Yes. Yeah. For those of us who may not be familiar, what we're, who we're referring to is mm. John Wesley, who's often considered one of the founding fathers of the Wesleyan church movement. And John Wesley and his brother, Charles, Charles, if you grew up in the church, you might have sung a song that Charles <laughs> wrote, because that's what he was most famous for, was writing these hymns, uh, which eclectically and musically, interestingly enough, they may have borrowed from the pub scene at the time. Yeah, these, yeah. <laughs> these hymns, hymn style songs that were sung, usually with a pint in hand, John and Charles, <laughs> you know, redirected us to be able to use them as a focal point of worship, which is really incredible and quite innovative for their day and for their time. Hmm. And like you said, they started to model these multiple spaces where discipleship could happen. And really they got it from the life of Jesus. And so that's what I want yeah. to spend a little bit yeah. more time talking about with you, Dave, just to kind of help <laughs> us understand um, these social spaces. I think primarily there are four, um, maybe you have an additional one you could add on there. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of like a one-on-one, -on -one, uh, a cluster of three to four, a group of anywhere from 10 to 20-ish, and then and then 25 plus. And yeah. I think each one has a name that kind of, you know, intimate space is that one-on-one, -on -one, and then they it progresses from there. So what would you speak about these spaces and have to share about these spaces and each of their value as it pertains yeah. to discipleship? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think if we just quickly, before I sort of launch into this, if we step back to, you know, the, the Great Commission, right, like we're, we're called to go make disciples, and that's the call of the, the church, and it's the call for each one of us, uh, is to make disciples, like you said, to help people grow in their faith and help them go help others grow in their faith. That's the multiplying part. And so, I mean, if you, if you look back at Jesus's ministry, just like you said, you can kind of break it up into various sort of social spaces or social environments. Um, and you mentioned them one-on-one. -on -one, so he spent lots of time with his father. He spent um, a great deal of time with a smaller sort of uh, three disciples. Then he had a bit of a bigger group for 12 and then 70 and then big, large groups as well. So I agree with you. There's kind of four, maybe five, depending on how you look at it. And the, the church has been really good over the years at, at certain ones. And then there's things that we probably need to tighten up a little bit on. 
But if you look at each of these social spaces, they have um, different qualities, what they look like, they have different um, function and the sort of the output or what comes out of them are different from each one of them as well. So is that, that kind of what you wanted me to get into? Yeah, I think so. Because yeah. okay. I, I think the again, this is where culturally we maybe have deviated slightly from the right. biblical expression of these. Um, I'll, I'll just quickly touch yeah. on social media, for example. We may have multiple hundreds or even thousands of followers uh, for our digital persona and think that these are the people that are privy to the most intimate parts of who we are or help hold us accountable uh, to different pieces. But, um, you know, I'm speaking with a medical doctor here, folks, so he'll be the first to tell you that uh, you can do all sorts of different things and project all sorts of different images in person even as well as online. And it can be very easy to fool other people or to mislead other people mm. as to who you might be. Um, and much harder to do that when you have a group of people right. that are closer together with you, who see more of your life or have more access uh, to who you are beyond what image you project either in person or even digitally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so like if you look at the, um, I guess what I would say is kind of the most important in space, social space, and that is one-on-one -on -one with God. And that's, that's a special time where you're abiding in Christ, you're listening, you're talking, you're spending time with the Savior. I mean, we talk about a God that's uh, a personal um, relationship-focused God, and he, that's what he's wanted us to do, is to have this relationship with him. So the first social space that we would talk about, again, is that time alone with God. You know, we have quiet times, we have a whole bunch of different names for it, but it's essentially, and hopefully on a daily basis, you're spending time reading the, the word, you're spending time, you're, you're contemplating, ruminating on the word, listening to the spirit, and ultimately so that you can enjoy a relationship with Christ one-on-one. -on -one. And I would argue that if we're not doing that, you know, we're not meeting the discipleship at all. Um, that's where our, our source of power comes from. It's where we are uh, challenged by God, taught, etc. The Holy Spirit does his thing during that time period. I don't know if you want to comment after I do, or how would you like to do this? Yeah, I'll jump in wherever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. On this on this one, I think most of our people would be super familiar. Our listeners going like, "Yes, we know one on one time right. with God. It's yeah. valuable." And I would say, historically speaking, the church in general, not just Sea Road, has done a pretty good job yeah. at mm -hmm. speaking to the value of this space. But as you mentioned, yeah. it's one of multiple spaces. What, what does that next layer of space look like? Um, you mentioned Jesus spent more quality time with a select smaller yeah. group of disciples, three guys, yeah. Peter, yeah. James, and John. What would that look like and what would that mean for us? Yeah, so then, like you said, he spent uh, a, a special time with three disciples. And so... 
this is a this is a a group where you're basically spending much more intimate time with um, with a group of three to five, and it's at this particular place that I would say it's where the, we get our deepest relationships with individuals. Um, intimate relationships can form here, and that may be a bit of a weird word, especially for guys. But what we're talking about here is an intimacy where you get to know that person. Um, you can confess sin during that time period, a deeper interaction with God's word, um, times of prayer for each other, support, and also accountability. This is where, you know, like I just met with someone the other day who confessed something to me and it was like a, a deep time where I could pray for that individual. I continue to pray for them. It's a place where we learn to kind of help each other be obedient. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it, th there's an openness. And what, I mean, everyone's going to have a slightly different sort of idea of what this looks like. But to me, this would be a set alone time with my three or four guys. Who knows, 6.30 at some restaurant or at their house, whatever, where we're talking about God's word, what we're teaching. And it's a, it's a, it's a special time to encourage each other and to challenge each other too. Absolutely. And, you know, just from the life of Jesus, you know, we see he would sneak away and bring James and, and John and Peter with him. And they would go, I'm thinking about Matthew chapter 17 in particular. Um, these three guys witnessed uh, one of the weirdest moments in the life of Jesus, if I can call it that. We, we call it the transfiguration, mm. where all of a sudden, two of these heroes of the Jewish faith and tradition, Moses and Elijah, show up out of nowhere um, from heaven, but mm. and start talking with Jesus. And these other three guys are there going like, what is going on? And one of them puts their hand up and is like, hey, should I build us all shelters and <laughs> stay here forever? Um, and he's sort of missing the point of what's going on. But it, it was access that these three guys had right. that the other cluster of the rest of the 12 didn't. Now they heard about it, but they yeah. didn't participate in it with him. And I think, I think if I could hang my hat on something as we emerge from a pandemic for the last couple of years, I think this has been the missing piece that a lot of us have been craving for the yeah. last 24 to 48 months, even, or maybe even mm -hmm. longer. Yeah, Maybe we've embraced isolation yeah. even longer than that. Yeah, and I would say, again, if we go back to the roots of our church, and, and again, obviously, we've just talked about the roots biblically. Um, this was a this was probably one of the most important spaces that uh, that Wesley invested in. And he knew that this was the place where people's lives would be changed. Not that it can't happen in every other sp space, but this is one of the most crucial ones. And I think we have as a church gotten away from that a little bit. And um, I know as you and I've talked and I've talked around with a lot of other people, there is a call back to this particular space for us to start taking part in this more. And I know that that's what uh, our church is uh, trying to develop a little bit more of, too. Yeah, specifically here at Sea Road. I mean, we're talking this month of September into this whole reality of a real purpose-filled pursuit when it comes mm -hmm. to this type, this expression of community. 
Now, community's multifaceted and it can get yeah. all sorts of convoluted along the way. But when it comes to this, I'll, I'll use even another term, finding some soul friends, yeah. some people mm-hmm. that are helping to um, guide us, encourage us, redirect us, and, and yeah. maybe maybe allow us to borrow some of their faith trajectory. And what I mean by that is right. I think there are times where we walk into a, a layer of discouragement or frustration like i'm not hearing much from god right now like i i'm reading mm-hmm. the word and i'm going through the practices and nothing's hitting but when you're meeting with another cluster of individuals and somebody else in that group is is experiencing some freshness as they read from scripture you benefit from that yeah 100% yeah right you Abs- you become absolutely. inspired by that and yep. and that's mm-hmm. a huge thing what about another space? You know, there's that kind of three to five people. What's the next space when it comes to these social spaces that we've been talking about? Yeah. So then the next space, again, depending on kind of where you read and look and think, there's, you know, sort of say five, six, up to about 10, 15. And um, this is a, this is a, gr- this is kind of like, I'm going to say the classic, uh, what we've done in North America, what we would call the small group. Um, or growth groups. There's all these terminologies, but this is essentially a, a a a close group of individuals who might be sort of your neighbors or demographically, they're you know your network of friends, couples, single friends all get together. So this is a group that is uh, yes, sort of six to fifteen, and again they've got their they've got an important part in the whole discipleship process too. Cause what you're doing in this group is you're not creating maybe the, the, the deep intimacy of that smaller group, but you've got um, a closeness, you've got a camaraderie, you have support um, people who can kind of live out, you know, if you're in need, they'll come and help you. These are the groups that typically care for one another within the church. And you're certainly learning and growing together as well. So this is a very important part of the church. And I, and I think that the church has done exceptionally well in this category for years and years. It's been a big focus and we've done well on this, uh, on this section. Which is really good to hear. And again, as we move into and away from things that we weren't permitted to do for a while, Right. And reemerge, yeah. this becomes yeah. another one of those spaces. And I think for people that are going, you know, I, I like the idea of the three to five, but it's way too intimidating for me. Maybe their first step towards uh, a greater immersion in discipleship happens to be a small group. That's okay. Yeah, absolutely it is. And you might actually find in that group of six to 12, you might connect with one or two or three guys or girls and and uh, that might then lead to that uh, sort of smaller group of two to five. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And, and you're right. I think globally as the church in general in North America in particular, I think we've seen some solid success and movements. And yet there's always room for growth, uh, just like our own physical yeah. health and well-being. You know, we can be good in our exercise and dieting, but if we don't keep up that and we start binging on junk food, well, we're going to see some, <laughs> we're going to see some negative, um, you know, consequences yeah, from those, to, those decisions. And, 
And I think, again, as we've been in a season and a structure where that hasn't been possible in so many ways, right. whether we've got digital fatigue or uh, we didn't feel comfortable or permitted to gather together in any sort of expression of community, uh, as we reemerge, mm. you know, prioritizing a connection of some kind, that's the best place to start. Yeah, it certainly can be. Yep. Yeah. yep, yep. And you'll find as we talk about these things, some people are going to be naturally drawn to one of these social groups. So for instance, the next social group is a, is a, I guess a, a larger one. And, and you can discuss whether that's 20 to 70 or greater than a hundred, whatever number, it's certainly greater than sort of, you know, 20. And some people thrive in those situations. And again, there's pros and cons or sort of, I don't know pros and cons, but there's benefits to that group and discipleship too. Whereas some people may not be so, so uh, drawn to the large group where they might be drawn to a group of 10. And then some of us, like for me, for instance, I'm drawn to a, 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 a what I would call a discipleship making group or, you know, groups of two to four. That's where I kind of am comfortable and thrive. So everybody's going to be sort of more drawn to one of uh, one or two of these. And the idea is for us to help to create spaces for all of us to take part in all of these in some capacity. Yeah, absolutely. that's a great picture that you just painted for us. And I think historically, uh, as a church in general, um, we probably have been seen or labeled as putting greater emphasis, say, on the gathered experience. So right. the 20 plus or the 50 plus, whether that 50, was youth whatever, group, yeah. mm -hmm. whether that was youth group or a Sunday service or or whatever expression or camp like or whatever exactly camp. yeah yeah and all of those are great value all of them have value but again it's like where where do we get and where where do we need um the next level of investment in i right. think i think that somebody can enter into the discipleship process in any one of those spaces but Absolutely. to then have a have a balance of expression of discipleship of all of those spaces that's the next growth area when it comes to a, an individual pursuit and one of the other things that i would mention well two things one is that again as a church across the world across north america our church the whole area in general the christian church has done very well at the the this larger groups you know like greater than 25 50 whatever number 100 200 we we that's kind of one of our core things and we're very good at that what i would the second part i was just going to say is that one of the interesting things is it gets a little bit kind of i don't I'm, take the word messy or i don't know what the word is but if you try to aim for something that doesn't naturally come out of that social group, it gets kind of strange. I'll give you an example. We talked about this group of two to five where there's deep, intimate discussion. You can, can you know, confess your sin. You can pray for people. You can be open. It's probably not the right place to do that in a social group of 50, mm. right? Same with, say, 
these groups of six to 10 to 15, it may not be the right place to do that. And I think in some ways we've tried to kind of, I don't know, smush a lot of these together. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important to know that within certain environments, there's things that should be done and things that shouldn't. I think that's a great, yeah, that's, that's a great addition there because I wonder if it's actually more of a North American construct when it comes to spirituality in general. You know, we, we were one of the first cultures to innovate when it came to the microwave, right? Where we, Mm. where we want to microwave. In fact, we have this disagreement in my house all the time. (laughs) My kids love microwave popcorn. I think it's terrible. (laughs) I think it's disgusting. It has no flavor. It's not good. I like the slow roasted style. Give me, you know, I turn on my, I turn on my oven, right? My, my stovetop. I put my pot in, I put the oil in, I cook the kernels and it takes a longer time, but I think it tastes more flavorful. And wouldn't you know, I have less wasted kernels than those that are trying to microwave, right? And, and I think that's an important lesson that you just kind of demonstrated there for us, Dave, this whole idea of maybe we need to know what it is individually, what we're looking for, because maybe... Maybe we sometimes are looking for something that a particular space isn't designed to provide. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. So for instance, you know, I can go to a Sunday service, which is a large group meeting or even watch it on, you know, over online, whatever. And I can enter into a relationship, sorry, enter into worship with God. And that's what I think one of the reasons why we get together is for corporate worship. But I shouldn't think of that time or that space as my only time to connect with God. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be do, having that one-on-one time with God daily if I can, you know, minute by minute, etc. So, yeah, you, 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 I think, have to look at attempting to enter into each of these spaces in some capacity. So, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better than myself. Dave, thank you so much. <laughs> it's, it's really great. And, you know, for takeaways here, friends, listeners, I really hope you're hearing Dave and I, our hearts of going like, let's try something. Like experiment, um, put in the work, discover those spaces. And right now you could go to cro.ca and there are expressions of small groups of various sizes, six to 15 and less than that, groups of three to four. I know I'm leading one this uh, fall of that smaller three to four chunk uh, designed to help us grow and help us become disciple makers, right? uh, inspiring all kinds of people from all different backgrounds, from all different socioeconomic statuses to love and live like Jesus.